What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent podcast for queer women of color. I am Money, the fellowship baddie. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> you should say more. Why are you the fellowship baddie? Um, I'm going to talk about it later. Oh, well. But, yeah. I just want to say, well, I want to say right now that I'm, like, extremely proud of you. Oh, but thanks. you're going to talk about it later. Um, I'm Nikita, and you, you, hear, you can hear that I'm a little congested. I've been working a lot, and I'm tired, so... I was listening to this British uh, podcast. They interviewed Mel B from the Spice Girls. So I'm totally knackered, Nikita. And knackered just means tired. <laughs> You're such a nerd. Hashtag but across you. the pond. I have really missed you. Yeah. I haven't seen you since the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. You should, remind, you should remember that when you try to be disrespectful Okay, to I'm going to take this out. <laughs> no, you All right, drop the intro. <laughs> Use the intro to silence me, goddammit. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go Worldwide from every continent, I just want you to jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sis, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, you love. All right, Nikita, you want to tell folks where they can find us? Yes, you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at QueerWalkPod. It's the same handle for Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. We are QueerWalk, colon, the podcast. You can also find us on Tumblr, which is QueerWalk.com. And maybe you want to send a little bit, something a little bit more private, something a little bit more personal. Well, you know what you can do. You can send that to our (laughs) Gmail, which is QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. You know, I realized how awful I am at this, like saying where folks can find us because you always do it. Oh. So, like, people ask me, like, oh, where can we find your podcast? The internet. <laughs> out there. Where can people listen? And it's great because obviously out of the two of us, I have the answer. Oh my god. You can they can listen to us on Castbox, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Money. Yeah. Anyway. You and your oh anyway. You and I mm-hmm. are the co hosts mm-hmm. of this program. We are. Right? But it would be it would not be possible without a community. This is true. So how can members of the Queer Walk community contribute to this community? I'm glad you asked. Because out of the two of us, I know the answer to this. Well, I mean, I know all the answers, but you this you I'll ain't you got know. all the answers. I do. So y'all can contribute. Hashtag omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> omnipotent, bitch. Okay. Y'all can contribute and keep this here program going in one of two ways. The first is monetarily. Give us your coin. You can do that one time by hitting off the cash app, which is dollar sign queer walk pod, P-O-D. 
Um, that's a non-committal way of supporting us financially. Non-committal. <laughs> um, or you can become a patron, which is a monthly donation monetarily to the podcast. And you can do that at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. We have some suggested rates that you could give us there, but you can give us as much or as little as you can in order to help us give you this bomb-ass bi-weekly content. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. You know, we've been t- we talked about Liz- Lizzo last week. Yes. And that just... You can donate to the Cash App, non-committal. <laughs> donate a lot or just a little. Oh, my gosh. Are you happy about that? Yeah, I am. Because you haven't, you still haven't come up with a jingle for the mental moment. Yeah, my uh, best friend, Diedrich, texted me. He's like, I'm really upset with you. And I was like, oh, God, what have I done? And he was like, he's like, you just, he's like, I can't remember the last time you did a jingle. See? Well, See, the people need it. I'm We're sorry. talking about contributing to the community. I'm sorry. That was one way you were supposed to contribute and look at you. I'll get back on it. You know, life life happened. Don't be like Nikita. Contribute to Queer Walk. Oh, right. Okay. I, I don't so do the- anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a bump on a log here. Obviously. So the first way, monetarily, on the Cash App or the Patreon. The second way is to love us out loud. Do the R's. Rate, review, request, repost, retweet, reply. Use the hashtag queer, W-O-C, to talk about all things on the podcast. Send us your reactions. Send us your suggestions for Queer Walks of the Week, for topics. Um, Repost the episode. Let folks know that you love us and why. Like, I think a lot of times people see Queer Walk and they're like, oh, I don't identify as a queer woman of color. So why should I listen? And lately I've been seeing folks just write a little bit about like, you should check out Queer Walk and here's why. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank y'all for doing that. Because we are a small community, but we are also a mighty community. Wherever there's people, there's a Queer Walk. So like, um, you know, we connect to a lot of things. So just let folks know why they can check us out. Love us out loud. You can also wear a Queer Walk t-shirt. We still have... The Mental Moment with Money t-shirts and the Gimme a Glucose Guardian t-shirts in black and Queer Walk yellow. No smalls. No smalls. Sorry. Smalls. (laughs) Sorry, smalls. (laughs) We ran out. Um, So we have to move the rest of this product before we could re-up. You have to stop talking like this. (laughs) And, you know, get some more smalls in stock. Queer women of cocaine. You know, we actually we do not we do not move any sort of illegal substances or products on this here program. They are in my back room, and for a minute they was in the kitchen. You know, so them they- being the t-shirts, not the vials of whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send us an email to submit a curve chronicle. Book us for your Stonewall 50th anniversary shenanigans. We want to be at all the Stonewall shenanigans. So yes. Um, that's how you can contribute to this here program. Alrighty. All right, Nikita, you ready to move it on along to the Queer Walk, Queer Walk, Queer Walk of the Week segment? Yeah, you see how I shortened it? I did. I appreciate that. It, it didn't feel good, but I did it for you. <laughs> you were making it dirty. It, it like of changed. The week. Yeah, it was I love real it. I miss it. Wet. 
You, it just needs to be. Well, nobody wants nobody wants a, a dry walk. Somebody did say that this is juicy media content, and I want to let that. <laughs> I, I really want to drive that point home. Queer walk is juicy media. Yeah. Content? Are we juicy? Well, I think, yeah, I so. think we are. <laughs> stop it. You can stop it up with the biscuit. Oh my god. So queer walk of the week this week. I honestly feel like long overdue, but. I- when you said who you chose, I was like, we haven't picked this person? Yeah, I know. I, I, was, I was surprised that I had never picked this person before, too. But Queer Walk of the Week this week is Stacey Ann Chen. What? <laughs> wow. Where, where do I start with Stacey Ann? So, I feel like she was one, she was one of the first black lesbians that I watched on YouTube. Same. Um... Definitely. So, like, around, like, what was that? Like, 2008, 2009? Somewhere in there was when I first discovered her work and her stuff. Was she, was she, wasn't she? she on Deaf Poetry Jam? Yes. That's how I first encountered yeah. her. Yeah. All right. So, all right, all right. I'm going to just lay some stuff out about why Stacey Ann Chen is the Queer Walk of the Week and go a little bit into just, uh, just scratch the surface of her accolades because there's no, oh. I, I I was actually nervous to do her because I was like, can we do her justice we can. in this segment? We can. So Stacey Ann Chen, for those of y'all who might not be familiar with who she is, she's a black and Asian Jamaican immigrant, lesbian, and New York resident. If that ain't enough, <laughs> on top of that, she's a full-time performing artist, a continued resident of New York City. She's been an out and political activist poet since 1998 on top of being a poet she's a playwright um i already said she's a performing artist and yeah as nikita was talking about she you have you can see her work on deaf poetry jam i think that clip is still on youtube uh she's been featured on the oprah winfrey show cnn pbs um and always through her work addresses issues related to citizenship race sexuality now motherhood, you know, um, immigration, all those things. She also wrote this memoir about her life, The Other Side of Paradise, a memoir. And I'm going to put the link in the description to the book. I think y'all should read it. Uh, It talks about her not only, not only like coming of age in Jamaica, but also like being out and queer. Yeah. Very young. As a Jamaican woman and like being born, she called herself like a dangerously small child and Mm. how like nobody expected her to survive um, except her grandmother. Right. And then like how that relationship changed as queerness came into the picture, um, her relationship with her siblings and all these things. Right. And so it's just a really I don't think we get we talk about this a lot in this segment, but like I don't think we get those stories of like queer women of color before us while they're still alive yeah so i think it's like it's really amazing that you know she's still out here doing a damn thing and that she has this um you know really personal and intimate memoir about growing up and being queer i feel like that's also what we talk about a lot we did that i don't know if it was the last episode or the episode before last where we highlighted the Iranian filmmaker, just like these yeah. queer stories of coming of age. Yeah, yeah. That that always feels really important. Yes, it just you know, makes shit feel possible. Yeah, yes. That you can actually come of age. You can come of age. Yeah. You can come of age, yes, yeah. yeah. And you are not old at 30 yeah. as a queer person, even though, you know, it feels like that. 
Was that a shot at me? Um, so some of <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Some of Stacey Ann's accolades, okay? This is just a few, because there was literally a, a whole laundry ca- list. Yeah. yeah. So she was the recipient of the 2007 Power of the Voice Award from the Human Rights Campaign, the National Human Rights Campaign, or HRC. The 2008 Safe Haven Award winner for um, Immigration Equality. The 2008 Honors, uh, she won the 2008 Honors from the Lesbian AIDS Project. Um, She was the recipient of the 2009 New York State Senate Award for her poetry. Wow. Like I said, that's just a few that I picked out. I could go on. She's won so many awards from universities for, like, her writings, her performances, uh, just, you know, a long, long list. Oh, I don't know if I said this, but on top of all of this, she's also a mom. (laughs) So, doing all of this while raising um, a badass uh, baby also. I'm pretty sure her baby's name is Zuri. I used to watch those. The living room. Oh, my God. Those were so cute. They were so cute. Still till today, I feel like their living room protest video on um, not picking up kids (laughs) is such an important... This is a three-year-old giving like this important lesson on Uh, consent. consent. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to put the link to that, too, because it's so cute. I was going to suggest that. Please do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so what brought, I guess... Me to Stacey Ann's work again recently. Last year, she teamed up with Cynthia Nixon, mm-hmm. who is, you know, I feel like still in still in the same camp of the very progressive Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That New York has been seeing a wave of. So shout out to Cynthia, um, who she was also an actress, right? She was Sex in, in the City. Mm-hmm. I was about to say she was in something. That was a really big show. Yeah. Anyway, um, she teamed up with Cynthia Nixon to bring us Motherstruck. Or hashtag Motherstruck. So Motherstruck is a series based off of her award-winning play by the same name. Um, And it's screening at Tribeca this month um, on the 25th and the 30th. So if you happen to be at Tribeca Film Festival, make sure you check out Motherstruck. And let us know what you think of it. Yes. I can't wait till it comes out, comes out. Because we, oh my gosh, we have to review this. We have to review it. First of all, Gina Yashere is in it. I saw that, right? She's she's my favorite comedian now. Like she's hands so down. ridiculous. I love her. So just a quick synopsis of Motherstruck. Motherstruck is a story of a single broke artist lesbian in New York suddenly realizing her eggs are aging and that she wants a family. Panic ensues. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how it's described. And we posted the trailer on, on our Instagram, Instagram page. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see the trailer from Mother Shrug, head on over to Queer Walk Pod on Instagram and check that out. And make sure you're following all things Stacey and Chin because Absolutely. I feel like this is just the beginning of a whole long legacy of com- comedic series and fun stuff to come out of the writing that she's been doing yeah. for years. So I'm super excited about that. So excited. And on top of all of that, she's a baddie. So, I like how you did save that for last. <laughs> I, you, you, know, know. you did. You did all the scaffolding with the I accomplishments, try, you know, and you have to let folks know, like, look, she is she is brilliant and yeah, like a well-rounded blossom, baddie. You know, you know. Yes, her her Twitter picture. She has the shirt on that says the lesbians are coming. Oh, and I need that indeed shirt. Indeed we are. Exactly. Indeed exactly. we are. 
Anyway, shout out to Stacey and yes. Chen. Uh, we highlight and uplift your work as the Queer Rock of the Week. All right. We're going to move on along to community contributors? Yes. Are you ready? Oh, we need them dollars. I said I like it like that. Become a patron tomorrow. I said I like it like that. Get a shout out on Queer Walk. I said I like it like that. Community yeah, been I high. said I like it like that. Okay, don't do the homework. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Why do you take all the fun? Everything I love. Hmm. You like yeah. capitalism. Everything I love, you try to rip it away from me. I hate it. Can I have something? Okay. Do you have to consistently dispossess me of the means of production? Means of producing my own happiness? God, that was such a niche Marxist joke. Are you done? There's like 10 people who are going to appreciate that, but they're really going to appreciate it. 10 people are laughing so hard right now. Yeah, that's all that. I do what I can for the minority. The rest of us are like... For the marginalized. What what is Nikita talking about? (laughs) All right, so we know we don't be engaging with people like we should. Yes, on Facebook. Really sorry, you guys. But we are slowly but surely, you know, getting more engagement on Facebook. Like right now, we have three hundred likes. That's a that's a huge deal, Nikita. At the end of two thousand eighteen, we had like a hundred and four likes. Yeah, so it's. Somebody shared it and it like exploded overnight for, to have 300. Yeah. I actually got the reason I'm never on Facebook, but I got a notification that was like, your page now has 300 likes. You need to update this shit. <laughs> I feel like I'm on Facebook more than you. And somebody, shout out to the person who messaged us on Facebook and they were like, please, what is that intro? Oh my gosh. Uh, I've had people ask in the past, like, I've Googled the lyrics and I can't find the song. It's because it was specially made for us. And and so the person was like, they're like, yeah, I know know who the artist is, but they're like, what album is this from? I'm like, like, this is the signature piece, baby. I feel like uh, we can't shout out Truth enough for the intro. We're gonna have it's to. There's so gonna have to be like dope. a push to get Truth to make it into a full. Song. Yeah, yeah. That's just what has maybe, to happen. Maybe, maybe if like we have like a um, like everybody tag Truth or like a yeah. uh, Instagram thing or like a Twitter thing. Just let Truth and Clever. Or oh, we need a Mother Nature a Mother remix. Nature, yeah, exactly <laughs> to the it. intro, and then they can release it as a full song, and y'all can get the yeah. intro. I would. I would create like. 17 different accounts to buy it. it. Just like and review it on different. (laughs) All right. Who's the next community contributor, Money? Well, our homegirl over at Marsha's Plate, Diamond Styles. What Diamond do? Diamond sent us what looks like a podcasting award. I walked into the apartment and I was like, oh, bitch, you just won a podcasting awards without me? (laughs) Nikita thought that I had won an award and not told her. Why? Like, why would I even do that? I don't know. You said we haven't seen each other in two weeks. I don't know what's been transpired yeah. in that amount of time. Yeah, I won a podcast award and didn't tell you. It That's what happen. happened in the last two weeks. It could happen. That's what you get for working twelve-hour days. Whatever. Um, <laughs> wow, that that made me sound like a capitalist for real. Anyway. 
Thank you so much, Diamond, for the dope-ass um, decor that makes everybody think we won a podcasting award. Because we should. We should. We should win podcasting awards. It reminds me of that uh, Solange tweet that's like, make up your own awards and give them to your friends. Celebrate each other. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to properly bestow that award upon money and myself. When we're done recording. We should get it engraved. We should. <laughs> the 2019 award on behalf, like the diamond award the, for podcasting. The, the diamond hyphen stonewall award. <laughs> so thank you for that. So thank you not just for sending us the mic, but now it's going to go to our egos and go it totally is. gone to our heads. So thank you, Diamond. We're going to pose with pictures with it. Like, we, we are, you know what? We that's actually your, are. Does your yeah. podcast have a silver mic, bitch? I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> you want to read the new review? Of course. Because I, I saw you out here in these Twitter streets asking folks for the reviews to get us to that 200 mark. Because we're close. We're so close. I think we're seven away. Yeah, we're seven away. Yeah. And again... I know I have confused people, <laughs> but I know that you're in a hurry. You could be like me. You're working 12 hours. You're very busy. You're like, oh, I don't have time right now to write a review. Just match the five stars. Just hit five stars. And then come back and leave your review later. Mm-hmm. But we just need seven more people to match that five star. Yes. Or one if you still match. If you are Kamala. Kamala. Right. <laughs> I know that was her. <laughs> She's like, you know, I'm working my. She's like, I'm working real hard trying to run this fucking presidential campaign. And these bitches, who are they? These communist mental health queers think that they're gonna ruin my opportunity? I'll sh- I'll show those bitches. Damn, I'm sorry. I just get. I know. And I'm not even 100% sh- I just know deep down in my heart of hearts, it was Kamala that did that. I I really think that like. But she 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 was pissed because you know I would be pissed too if somebody named the episode "Coming for Money." Yeah. But I think she took it in. I've I, the no, stuff the stuff that no, I've seen from her. She's still garbage. She's not getting my vote. And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll have another staffer give them a one star review. Okay. All right. Let me stop. So we have a review from. Ask me about house rabbits. I don't. I wonder what that's about. You asked me if it was a Us reference, and I don't think so. Oh, I haven't seen the movie Us, so yeah. I feel like I've seen people talk about rabbits, though. So. Yeah, there were rabbits in the movie. Oh, okay. There were houses in the movie, but I don't think this is a Us reference. All right. Anyway, so ask me about house rabbits. The title of their review is called "Teachers and Delighters." Five stars. <laughs> Ask Me About House Rabbit says, Money's mental moments are so very helpful, and Nikita's analyses are genius, and I love their friendship chemistry. Aww. Thanks, House Rabbit. It's I. The friendship chemistry, you know, it comes and goes. It's going right now. No, it's not. It took it's everything in me to keep my hands to myself. Really? Not that I'm a violent person. Yeah, I'm kidding. No, the friendship chemistry is great. I love you, and I love this podcast, and I love the community, and I appreciate Ask Me About House Rabbits for leaving that wonderful and marvelous review. See how she just slathers on the cheese after being rude? Hashtag Real Vita! <laughs> I'm out of control today. You are. It's delirious. Are you delirious? It's delirious. It's delirious. tired it's and delirium. stuffy? Goodness. All right. Um, so, we have... <laughs> Hashtag Real Vita. <laughs> that was funny. It wasn't... <laughs> 
So we have three new patrons. Um, no thanks to Nikita. <laughs> I, I, I think this wonderful humor, probably, that probably, were, they were probably like, it's, it's time for me to make my contribution. All that witty banter, that wonderful friendship chemistry, this, it's time. Okay. So we want to give a huge shout out to Sarah, Brianna, uh, and Caitlin. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> For becoming new patrons. You hear me and doing my auntie's shoulder shimmy? She, I think, ah, I think ah, y'all can actually hear yeah, it. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll boomerang her later. Um, and don't you want to be like Sarah, Brianna, and Caitlin? Head on over to patreon.com slash queerwalkpod to become sustainers of this here program. Um, and we also have to shout out Yantra for upping their pledge. So they've been... You know, a patron Up. for a minute, but they upped it. All so, right, thank you, thank y'all so much. We appreciate it. We yeah. truly do. Mm-hmm. All right, so we also have a Cash App shout out, mm-hmm. and Martin or Martine on Cash App matched Aviva's donation. Yes, so, and and wrote that they were doing that. That is right? so sweet. This I feel like we've said this before. Where tag a friend and be yeah. like, I challenge you to match my. That's right. <laughs> yes. That, so shout out to Aviva and Martin slash Martine. Yes. You want to uh, go on to the... SoundCloud? SoundCloud? Oh, you know I do. I know how you feel about SoundCloud. I do. So, I first of all, I would just like to send a Queer Walk shout out to everyone who uses SoundCloud. You know, out here struggling together to hold our spots in podcasts. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, so, I need to shout out Biggie Emma um, on SoundCloud, who n- not just sent us, like, a lovely message... And just sending us, you know, like, encouragement and amazing words about how much they love the podcast. But they also put together a dope-ass mix. Oh, you know how both of us, but especially you, feel about a fucking mix. You know how I feel about a mix, okay? And you can get an especially made Queer Walk playlist if you become a patron. That's right. I put together playlists every month for the patrons. So if you want access to those, become a patron. But if you want access to Big Yemma's, mix on soundcloud i'll post a link in the description um it's called women adore women and the cover art for the mix is cute i listen to it and it's one of those mixes that you can put put on and like study or clean your house too because it's chill and it goes through different vibes you know so i love it and i told uh big yama that i would plug it because i love music you know i'm a musical bitch and well not musicals i like music <laughs> and I really like this mix. So thank you so much, Big Yemma. Thank you so much to Big Yemma. Yes. So there's been a change in our top cities, Nikita. Yeah. I'm so excited. It kind of feels like Stacey and Chin for me because I'm like, one of the top cities this week was New Orleans. And I'm that, like, they were the number one city. Yeah, the number one city. Yes. I'm like, I was so excited about that. And I'm like, I can't believe New Orleans has never been number one before. I know. I know. I know. We've been doing this, what, like two and a half? But almost years. And here we are. Thank you, New Orleans, yeah. for showing up and showing out since the last episode. Y'all are, number, y'all are our number one city. Yeah. And, you know, it feels so, like, obvious. I mean, it's New Orleans. Bounce right on up to the number one. You see? <laughs> about to pick it, about to pick it, about <laughs> Is that what? Okay. That's fine. But you know, I love New Orleans as a city and as a vibe. And I'm just so excited to see them as our number one city. And then our number two city, Oxford, Ohio. I don't even know where Oxford, Ohio is. I don't even know. 
where Oxford is. Thank you, Oxford. What are y'all doing in Oxford? Can you let us know? Yeah. Can you use the hashtag QueerWOC and be like, you know, I'm just frying chicken in Oxford, Ohio, <laughs> listening to Queer Walk. Yeah, that's what I say. I know what they are doing. They're listening to Queer Walk. Making my tempeh salad, you know, I want to be inclusive here. All right. And the last thing, Money, you want to drive us on home? Um, Yes. So last but not least, in the Community Contributor segment, it's that time of year again. Well, almost a month from now. <laughs> but it's that time of year to start plugging it. Podding live in YC. Yeah. No. No, Nikki, you don't know. Take it no. out. I tried. I tried. No, please take that out. Take it out. Take it out. Do it again. No. Yeah. That was a little better. Nikita said, <laughs> You're too. <laughs> That's so bad. You're, you're, you're. That was so bad. You, I feel like I've made you watch Jesus and Miro enough times for you. Yeah. That's better. Yes. All right. Enough for, do you have, please cut that first one. It was not very, it was. <laughs> That's not like a white woman. That was you did. You did. Oh my God, that's bad. Anyway, oh God, um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to write an essay and submit some um, some application to the Department of Bureau of Black Affairs and be like, please don't revoke it. It's because you are appropriating New York, New York black New York right. culture. You're right. Right. So that you was, couldn't do it. It's okay. That was really. We don't expect you wow. to do it. You're not a New Yorker. Yeah. It's fine. That was bad. All right. <laughs> but never again, take okay? All right. Marguerite, so- <laughs> I need you to say right now that you're going to take that out. So, Pod and Live NYC is the largest black podcast meetup created, thought of, and executed by our homies, Janicia and Queen of Tea with Queen and Jay podcast. Yes, that's right. So, we're going to be in the building. It's May 11th. At Von Bar in New York City. You should come. The whole yeah. Baddie Brigade is going to be there. If you are thinking about starting a podcast, you should come. If you listen to any of our podcasts, you should come. If you listen to other podcasts and want us to know about the podcast, you, you should to, be there. You should come. If you want to see me with my ass out, you should come. Because oh, I'm... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You hear that's like a stampede of people running the bottom line. <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to think of the concept that I want for this look. You know, it's my third year. Three is my number. You know, just trying to trying to think about it. I already know my, like, hairstyle that I'm going for. So I just need to put the look together to match. But, yes, really excited about Pride and Live NYC. Um, right. Be there so or the- be obtuse. All right. Are you trying to keep yourself awake? I don't know. We're going to move right on along to the premiere segment of Queer Walk the Podcast. You see all these uh, $10 words she tried to use to make up for the fact that she hasn't had a jingle all 2019? That's not true. We're now moving on along to the mental moment with money. Hashtag where's the jingle? (laughs) Is that going to be a new movement? Yes. Okay. So, this mental moment is make a yes, bitch, binder. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish it was like those greeting cards. I hate them. That open and they sing a song. I would love to have a binder that open and I would just hear you. Yes, bitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> I would love that. All right. So, um, so I introduced myself on this episode as a fellowship baddie or something like that. Someone, some, yeah. yeah. I introduced myself that way because, oh God, your girl won a dissertation fellowship. Which, uh, for folks who are like, what the fuck is a fellowship? It's essentially what they call scholarships when you're working on a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just money you don't have to pay back. Yep. I won a university-wide um, fellowship contest for um, diversity uh, dissertations. And as y'all know, I'm writing my dissertation on queer women of color, activist couples. So I wrote... Like a little essay? Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that shit here. It wasn't nothing little about it. It was bomb ass. And Money asked me to edit it. I did. And go over it. And I, and it's like, you read that and you be like, I know this bitch. Yeah. I'm friends with this bitch. This I, is a I am bitch. that bitch. And she's not. And she's like, you know, it was a, you know, a university wide. The bitch is being modest for no. Uh, almost 200 people applied for this fucking award. Yeah. One person got it. I didn't know that. One person I, got it. And it was the one fucking person on that goddamn campus that I absolutely know without a <laughs> doubt that deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were afraid that if they didn't give it to me, people would riot. Oh, we would have burned that. We would have burned down every office on that university and held the administrators hostage <laughs> until they did the right thing. Yeah. But nonetheless, I want it. Um, Out of the, the other 200, almost 200 some people. Yes. I just, that feels important for me. Um, Smoked yes. right on through that I just, oh gosh. Like, I, I cried when I got the news because so many things. Like, I first of all need to um, shout out Sarah Makiba, who has constantly, like, uplifted me through this dissertation journey. Um, she'll, like, randomly send me a tweet that's just like, Sending you encouragement today to write that dissertation, girl. And I'm just like, oh my god, I needed that. Um, but it's it's really hard for like re- weird reasons, right? It's like I I know I could write. That's a skill that I have. Um, I know on paper how to do research. Um, I'm a therapist, so I know what I'm talking about. But it's hard because it's isolating. Yeah, like you're just by yourself for hours working on this thing. Um, there's so much you have to explain before you get to the point of being like, so can you help me <laughs> like, yeah. figure out what I'm trying to say? And yeah, it's just, it's hard for all these ways that like you never knew it would be. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that anything I would write for a dissertation would be like award winning. So to think that like my dissertation won this award and it's not even done yet, it's given me like so much uh, oomph. To finish it. Yeah. Because I'm like, <laughs> vision, they think this is fire. Wait till I finish it. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm just really excited about that. But it also, I feel like ever since I found out that I won, it's had like this trickle effect, trickle up effect, because right. we don't do trickle down. <laughs> that has just been inspiring me, and I've been working on my dissertation like I never have before. Y'all, I walked in to get ready to record and Money was like, oh, are you ready? She was like, I've just been here just dissertating. <laughs> the bitch uh, is on fire. Yeah, because I mean, shit, I got money and I don't have to work this summer. You know, like yeah. that's a big relief. It's huge. That I can just write. And so there's so many fucking PhD students that 
have that built in. When they come into the program, they don't have to work. They can just write. And like that weight has been lifted for me because of this fellowship. So yeah, you know, a bitch been writing, but also a bitch been celebrating myself. So that's why I thought that this mental moment would be to make a yes, bitch binder. So um, this, this idea while while sparked by winning this award, it it really was inspired by a few things. Um, so one, I have journals from when I was like way best. I have journals from like when I was twelve years old. Oh my god! And I noticed that in high school, I made these scrapbooks for every year, like ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, and I was just highlighting like all of my accomplishments. Sure. And so you know, I was looking at that while my mom was here over the last week. And then another thing that inspired this mental moment was the therapy for black girls a hundredth episode. And Dr. Joy was talking about having a you did that folder, which is a very (laughs) Dr. Joy way of saying yes, bitch. (laughs) Um, and I also read uh, this article on exonicole.com called uh, To the Woman Who Struggles to Celebrate Herself. And there's another one. I'm pretty sure it's on the same website. I'll link it. I don't know if it's written by the same person, though. Um, and it was called Celebrate Your Smallest Wins. And then in session, I had all these clients who came in talking about um, imposter syndrome. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this yes bitch binder feels like an antidote for imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, so for some folks who might not know what imposter syndrome like is or like where it stems from, first of all, our homies bag ladies have an amazing episode on imposter syndrome. But secondly, I'll just, you know, <laughs> add my little uh, therapeutic insight on that. So imposter syndrome is just how it sounds. It's like when you get this intense feeling that somebody's going to call you out as a fraud or like you're not. You don't belong. Not, you don't belong. You you're not who who you who people assume that you are right. or like who you're quote unquote pretending to be. But this actually comes from um, these things called competence types, uh, which, like, amplify these feelings. Um, so competence types are our internal rules that, uh, that govern how we deal with confidence, right? And so the reason why imposter syndrome happens is because we get stuck in these internal rules around where our confidence comes from. And so there's five main ones. Um, that I wanted to talk about that cause imposter syndrome. So the first is the perfectionist rule. And so the perfectionist (laughs) competence type is when you set incredibly high goals for yourself. And then when you don't meet those, you feel like you've done nothing. Mm. Right? So it's like, if I'm not perfect, I'm nothing. Um, That causes, obviously, imposter syndrome. Because you are something, even if you're not perfect. The second is the soloist. The soloist is a a competence uh, type in which you feel like asking for help means you're a failure. Mm. Or like you aren't competent. You know, you're not able to do it. Uh, So I have to do it all by myself. The soloist. The third is the super person. This is I feel inadequate or insecure about this thing. So instead of asking for help... Or, um, like, seeming like I don't know what I need to do. I'm going to over-function. Um, and so we all know those people who will, like, pull an all-nighter to get something done. Or who, like, study three times harder than everyone else. 
who's working like five jobs to like accomplish this thing. It's just like instead of instead of using another way, I'm gonna overfunction. I see. Um, so that's the super person. Yep. The fourth competence type that causes us to feel uh, imposter syndrome is the natural genius. So this rule is when you assume that if something isn't easy or like natural to you, that you can't do it. Oof. Nikita, you feel shots fired? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. And so when whenever so instead of celebrating the effort that you put into accomplishing it, you lament the uh work that it took you to get it done. Wow. So um that's the natural genius type. Like everything, if it doesn't come natural, then I must be a failure. Yeah. And the last uh, competence type that causes or like amplifies um feelings of imposter syndrome is the expert. So this is the person who uses a, a rule around, I have to know everything about something or I know nothing. Jon Snow. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do it because I'm so excited about Game of Thrones, bitch. Good game, ball. Okay, I won't go there. But um, yes, so that so the the expert rule is around, yeah, just knowing things, feeling like if I can't be the the human Google, then I'm nothing. Wow. Um, and so, th- therefore, I'm an in- imposter. I don't know anything. Um, and so, those five things are the rules that usually cause imposter syndrome. So, I just want to run through them again real quick. The perfectionist, the soloist, the super person, the natural genius, and the expert. Holy shit. This is... I've never heard anybody... I mean, I've heard the term imposter syndrome. I've never heard anybody break it down into these competence types. This is so helpful. You're welcome. You know, that's what therapists are supposed to do. Make shit tangible and like workable and try to rid us of ableist language as I am still working on. (laughs) Thanks, Nikita. And because of these rules, like you can obviously see how these are also um, like cognitive pitfalls because they're very all or nothing. If I can't do it by myself, then it can't get done. If I don't, if I can't do it through overworking, then it won't get done. If it's not easy to me, then I I must not, you know, be meant to do it. So that sets us up in this really like a failure focused mentality. Mm. And it's so natural to give up when you don't feel successful. It's so um, common to give up when you don't see results in something. So, you have to make those results. You have to celebrate the results. <laughs> um, and not just the super high ones right. or like the plateau results. Like I graduated, therefore I succeeded. Right. The, um, the little steps that it took you to get there. To get there. Got exactly. It. You passed a test. Yeah. You passed a class. Yeah. You passed a semester. You yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. all the little buildups. Um, and so when I think about a yes bitch binder... Um, just get, you know, a cheap ass little binder from the dollar store. Take time to decorate it. I looked back at my high school one and I was just so proud of young me. I was like, I really was good at that. No wonder why when I, you know, when I got to graduate school, I felt like that bitch. Cause I was so in the practice of celebrating myself. Celebrating yourself. Absolutely. And the little things y'all, like, um, I was looking at notes that I had written to myself that like I had done a hundred 
something. It was something related to like Spanish class and I had done it a hundred times. And so it's like, I celebrated my consistency. Holy shit. It was like, yeah, I still can't speak Spanish fluently, but, (laughs) but I did that consistently a hundred times. And I was really excited about that. And also, uh, when I was reading one of these articles, uh, the author was talking about how you can't, you can't externalize celebrating what you do. You can't expect others other to, to applaud. That yeah. yeah. You can't put that work on other people because you're going to always feel let down. Yeah. Like not everybody is going to bake you a cake or throw you a party when you right. when you have something that feels like an accomplishment to you. So what you can do is work towards self-celebration. And I love this article because she talked about self-celebration as the first step in self-care. Mm. So it's like if you don't feel um, celebratory or like like worth celebrating, how can you even start to think about like keeping Caring yourself? For yeah, sure, exactly. Um, and and also you can't ac- you can't measure your accomplishments by external things like likes. Yeah. Um, how many people congratulate you on something? Uh, it's truly bef- defined by like how you feel about it. And so if you feel like it's an accomplishment, put it in your, your gas bitch binder. Um, Dr. Joy was talking about she puts uh, messages that she receives from people that makes her feel good, mm. encouraging poems, um, anything that she can open that bind. Well, hers was a folder, but I say binder because I used the binder before. Um, <laughs> anything that you can open it and feel like, wow, I did that. Yeah, or yeah. like feel encouraged when you have in those down days and you just need to remember who the fuck you are, you know? (laughs) It's just like, open it. Another thing that uh, came from one of the articles, and again, I'm going to link all this stuff so y'all can read it for yourselves. But when you start to take notice of all the little wins, even the small ones, attaining bigger goals don't seem so impossible. Right, right, right. And so I started off talking about like winning this fellowship, which is like a big accomplishment, but it took all the little goals for me to get there. Absolutely. Right? Like, and now finishing doesn't seem so impossible. It's like I don't have to work this summer. Right. I ain't gonna have shit else to do. I'm gonna be sitting on my couch anyway. <laughs> I can write, you know. I can just be typing real fast, get some thoughts down, and finish this damn. Just go dissertation. ahead and knock that dissertation right on out. Yes, um, it feels manageable and accomplishable because of the small things. Because I've coded all of my transcripts. Because. I transcribed all of the found participants. I found right, like I interviewed people. Exactly, I successfully defended my dissertation proposal. You know, all these little accomplishments—they matter. It's not just about because I could get so caught up in everybody asking me, "So when are you going to graduate?" or "When are you finished?" that I start to feel like a failure. Um, But I have to acknowledge, like, like how far I've come. And all of the small wins. Absolutely. Um, Because they have big effects, right? Especially when we talk about imposter syndrome. Like, if you can open up something... It's so funny. When I was reading, like, how they wrote about me in the congratulations email, I was like, wow, I'm that person. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, like, hearing somebody read my bio, I'm like... I'm like, like, I really did that. I really am. I've been busy. That's me. They talk about, you know? Um, And so, like, it's it's almost like the the incongruence between this, like, facade that you feel like when imposter syndrome is happening, that, that, that incongruence can't exist if you're the one who's keeping track of all your wins and all the things that you do do. 
Um, so yeah. Y'all, if y'all decide to do a yes bitch binder, please like take pictures of them and send them to me. Uh, maybe I'll post my yes bitch please binder do. from high school. Please do. <laughs> I just love that little money, or should I say young money? It was just like, you know what? I did this Your thing a hundred times and I need to like mark it down. I, yes. I just love that that's where your head was. <laughs> I was yeah, I was celebrating myself. And in those ways, like I couldn't feel like an imposter, right? Because yeah. I knew all the work that I had put in. So I hope this helps. I hope learning these um competence types help you start to identify like, oh, I do that. Like I'm the perfectionist. Yeah. I, I know I'm the perfectionist. Like I'm a Virgo. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm the oldest child. I, I have all the the predispositions to being the perfectionist. That is so funny. Um, but maybe you go off the soloist rule, you know, and we community oriented over here. So it's nothing wrong with asking for help. And so I hope this binder also helps you to start identifying those rules and how you can undo them and say fuck you to imposter syndrome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is me throwing up my two middle fingers to imposter syndrome. Because you're the natural genius. I just think you should mind your business. <laughs> you're not my therapist. I ain't nobody give you no goddamn permission to be trying to assess where I am in terms of competence type. I'm, I'm not assessing. I'm di- Diagnose or whatever. I'm noticing. You ain't, did nobody ask you to notice or observe? Ain't no, ain't no empirical study happening here. I feel like Nikita has even said on other episodes, like, I just feel like I should be good at everything. (laughs) I do feel that way. (laughs) I believe that. So when when there's a learning curve. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, I hate it. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, well, not going to continue to do this if I can't just master it in like five minutes. That's the natural genius. Yeah. I think that's, I think, what do people say these days? That's your opinion. (laughs) <laughs> not, not my opinion. And now, our bi-weekly word from our womanist worker, wordsmith, wizard, Nikita. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At least you could do that. You can't your Yeah, I'm I'm never gonna do that again. <laughs> I, I've I just wanna just give my deepest sympathies and apologies to the people of New York City. <laughs> that is so inappropriate. What's the word, Nikita? All right, so it's not really a word, it's more of a topic. So okay. it's I'm gonna talk about rural queers. So queers, LGBT folks who live in rural areas. Oh my gosh. And the reason why I'm gonna talk about this is because there's this, um, I think it's like an organization. It's called the Movement Advancement Project. And when I talked about, I think it was last year during June when I talked, I think we talked about being out at work and I mm-hmm. referenced another report from them that yes. was about, uh, it was called A Broken Bargain. That was about LGBT workers of color. Mm-hmm. So they put out another report um, and this is called uh, Rural America, A Place We Call Home. So it's just a, a study and a report of the the circumstances, the issues, and the barriers um, that LGBT people face in rural communities. And it has, like, some policy prescriptions. And it's like, I, I mean, I'll put a link to the report in the description. It's like a 100-page report. I'm not going to get into the weeds about it. 
<laughs> I say that, and then next and thing then, you know, and an hour later, right. and I'm like, but I'm just, I really just kind of want to. Just one more thing. <laughs> I, shut up. I just really want to talk about some of the things that I thought um, were interesting and that, uh, that like stood out to me. So they make like a really interesting point starting out from the beginning where they say it's like LGBT people. Um, I think they got this from a survey, but they're like, through like talking with people, they're like LGBT people live in rural areas because they want to live there. Like it's not like they're like waiting. They're like they're just they're mm-hmm. just stuck mm-hmm. in like a right. rural place, ready waiting to get to, to an to urban. City. Right. Yeah. But they're like, and they and there's some themes um, that came up, and like some of the themes for like why like even why like non LGBT people live there or why LGBT people live there, mm-hmm. and it's and it's a double edged sword in some ways, and I'll get to that. But they say like wanting to be close to family, mm-hmm. um, and then the strength and the tight knit nature of like local communities, and that's again that's the, where the double edged sword comes in. And there's like you know like, rural way of life, there's just certain like hobbies and interests that you mm-hmm. can do in rural mm-hmm. areas that you know you're not going to do in um, urban areas. And then they had this thing about um, the connection to land. And I thought it was really interesting hmm. because, but they didn't really say enough. Like they, they, they didn't say enough about like indigenous mm. communities. They, yeah. they, they just kind of talked That's about it always. broadly. So I thought that would yeah. have been more, that would have been helpful. But like, yeah. um, but I mean, that is like a thing for um, like rural folks. And it's so funny when, I, before we started recording, I'll be forgetting that my family comes from like a really tiny rural town. I don't understand how you forget that. I don't, it just it just it just don't be at the forefront of my mind. You're such a rural queer. Anyway, so they say about a country queer, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag country queer. <laughs> um queer women of the country. Um anyway, so just some like rough statistics. Um about three to five percent of adults living in rural areas um identify as LGBT um, this is interesting. They have some interesting things about young people in here too, and I kind of want to touch on that in a little mm-hmm. bit. But like ten percent of young people in the area in rural areas um, identify as LGBT, so that's almost. So if you think about Double? the yeah yeah, and so I'm like that that was like really interesting. And then something that they go into is that like these numbers, of course, might be higher, but it's like one of the things that they get into is like because it's like such a tight knit mm-hmm, close mm-hmm. community. Like if one person knows. There's just, there's just no um, anonymity, right? I'm going to get more into that in a little bit, but I just want to give out some more um, statistics. I think the reason why this stuck out to me, so one of the, there's like three different organizations that helped, um, I guess, to like get this study going. Um, and one of them, because the reason why I saw this study even posted was because of the the National Black Justice Coalition, which is like a black mm-hmm. LGBT organization. So mm-hmm. I was like, if they're posting it, like that's what like yeah. piqued my interest. And um, one of the other groups, some of the other groups are the Equality Federation, the National Black Justice Coalition, and the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Those the three organizations in partnership with the Movement Advancement Project like mm-hmm. helped to do this report. And I say all that to say, and the reason why I started talking about the National Black Justice Coalition is because they're especially now, like after that, the 2016 election, and you know, they're always talking about like the white working class and like mm-hmm. the quote unquote like flyover um, states. Right? It's like so many times when we talk about rural areas, like we only think about like a straight, right, white, conservative, like, right, 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 yeah. right, right. It's like, of course like that's you know. Those people are there, but it's like, it doesn't give a full accounting of like who are the folks who are actually living in rural communities. 
so in the report, they uh, mentioned that like one out of five rural residents um, are people of color. And among that one out of five for people of color, 40% of those people of color are black, 35% are Latinx, and then 25% are Native American, Asian Pacific Islander, or multiracial. I think it would be better if they kind of broke that. Broke that up. Because they yeah. just kind of sla- like slapped yeah. a, a bunch of people together. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the way that census are, are set up. Th- that's, so that's, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what it's from. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I thought was really interesting, is that... Um, in several states, though, like majority or nearly half of like rural and small town residents are POC. And when you think about these places, you're like, that makes sense. So, like in Hawaii, like 69%, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. New Mexico, 61%. Oh, South wow. Carolina, 40, oh, yeah. uh, 44%. Mississippi, mm-hmm. 43%. Arizona and Texas, 42%. And then in New Jersey, like 41%. So, all those percentages are the wow. percentages of people. Um, uh, of color that are um, that make up almost a majority of those rural, rural areas. areas, right? And so, just to kind of touch on some of the the themes, and again, these are the things that just like stuck out to me that were um, most interesting. But kind of the themes that they um, the themes that they um, kind of get at are like, of course, when you're living in a small town like this, like there's like a heightened visibility mm-hmm. right so like because there's like a, such a low population in these areas even if not even like specifically like lgbt but of course directly lgbt but if you're like even like a little bit different then people are going to be like what the fool that <laughs> right it's like you know you, you stand out right and oh of, my god and of course we know that you know the things that come up, come come about with being like a, having hyper visibility yeah. right Reminds me of Tu Wong Fu. Uh, that's that's really it. <laughs> that's so right. Yeah. Again, because of one of the other things that they talk about is like one of these themes is like the ripple effect. So it's like because you're in like a tight knit community, like your boss. So let's say, for instance, like if you're at a job, your boss might, and if your boss like fires you because um, you're gay, and one of the things they talk mm-hmm. about is that there's not a lot of like uh, discrimination protections. Mm-hmm. But it's like that boss. Like might actually like go to your church or know somebody in your mm. church or might live like right, right. close to you mm. or might work at a particular kind of service mm-hmm. organization. And mm-hmm. so it's like people, if one person in your community knows that you're gay, then mm-hmm. like it it there's like a ripple effect in that it like even like Goes it out, potentially yeah. like further like marginalizes you and keeps you from like services and community mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. Where, would that ripple effect also work in the opposite way? Where it's like, if you know that yes. that's that's the church that's queer inclusive in this yeah. rural area, that every every person goes to that church. Or so we'll we'll get to cool. we'll get to that in a minute. But there's mm-hmm. also it's like if somebody. Uh, but one of the things that they also mentioned is like if there's somebody in a leadership position mm-hmm. in a church and they're like oh like I'm like I'm fine with like LGBT people then it also sends a message right. to like other people right. like who might potentially be mm-hmm. homophobic in the community be like oh well pastor so so yeah. you know yeah um, and connected to that as like again about this like tight nature community is like like family faith and community were like really like core values of people in like rural communities mm-hmm. and um, I want to so that stuck out to me for um, a lot of. For, like, one reason in particular. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And then there's, like... I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Um, but there's... Because I think some of these things are 
arguably like self-evident. I maybe just give like some like examples, but there's like fewer alternatives like in the face of um, discrimination. So there's like, just like a lack of in these areas, a lack of doctors, employers, mm-hmm. housing options, mm-hmm. um, and especially so they make the case for people of um, LGBT people of color. And I'm saying LGBT because that's the language that they use mm-hmm. like in the um, in the report. And then of course there's like less support structure, you know, um, there's the geographic isolation and like social isolation. And it's like, again, I think some of these things are like self-evident. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not really going to spend too much time getting into the weeds of that. But what I saw was just really interesting was like this thing about faith, um, like how important that was, not just like in the region in general, but specifically to like LGBT people. One of the things uh, one of the things that they found was that LGBT people in rural communities are much more likely to identify with Protestant Christian t- traditions. Um, 66% of trans people, including 71% of Middle Eastern and 77% of black trans people, have at some point in their lives been a part of a faith community. Oh, wow. And, um, and they are much more likely than like urban um, LGBT people. Mm. Um, to be so, here's what I thought is interesting because I, I, I want to m- be clear about this. LGBT people in rural areas are more likely to identify as being a person of faith than mm-hmm. like urban LGBT people, but they are. But LGBT people of faith in rural communities are less likely to be affiliated with a local practice or a community. So it's like more likely to identify, but and the way that I understand that is like you just have. I mean that that when you think about it, that's obvious, right? Like you have you're just less likely to be in um, like an organized, like to participate in like a, an an organized religion. I imagine that's because like you're on the margins mm-hmm. or like these people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you're more likely to be a person of faith, but less likely to have access you're, to those um, actual practicing communities. You're you're more likely to be a person of faith because that's that's a uh, a large socializing like uh, yeah. agent in, yeah. in rural areas is right. like yeah. So you grow up in the church, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or like a faith community, but then because queerness, yeah. like you get pushed yeah, out of those exactly. communities, so you identify with that faith, yes. but you're not a part of the. Yes, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, because I feel like at times in in like urban areas, queer stuff can be almost like exclusive of spirituality and faith practices and communities and i think well there's two things i think this is why i'm like harping on this and this is why it stuck out to me because it's like i mean i've said on here before like for all intents and purposes and i use the term strategically it's like i I feel like i'm just pretty agnostic just about the question of religion in general Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. um and like it's just not it's not an important part Mm of um it's not an important part of my life spiritually but Mm -hmm. also like in terms of, like, community. Mm-hmm. But I'm also even thinking, though, on the flip side, like, you know, we live in Syracuse. It's not rural. It's, like, a small little, like, urban town. But, like, and I think coming especially from, like, the South, I've never seen, even when I just I was, like, driving around Syracuse, I would see all these churches with, like, rainbow flags, mm-hmm. out, like, outside mm-hmm. of them. Or mm-hmm. they'd be, like, mm-hmm. and they're all there. I would say, like, all people yeah. are welcome, and it has yeah. like the little like the little flag, and I have like a Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. sign. And I think now I'm like, oh, like these annoying, yeah. you know, like liberals. But mm-hmm. I think the reason, like, why this stuck out to me is that like it just reminded me that like 
as annoying as a lot of those people are, and, as, and it's not to say not to absolve them, like these like mm-hmm. specific kinds of like liberal traditions, mm-hmm. is like that shit is actually like meaningful yeah. and important. And mm-hmm. I, it's just a, I don't know. I just reminded me that I have to like I had to like check myself on that. And I think one of the themes that's like throughout um, this um, report, and that is something that we know and that we talked about on here all like that we talk about here all the time, is like community Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. and it's like and again because you said like this is a site of like socialization and it's like one of the things that if it's an important like social infrastructure an important part of the community then to be excluded from that means that you're excluded from like community yeah yeah and it's Mm -hmm. like i mean i know that that's like a self-evident and like an obvious point but like to your point because you went to some conference recently and and you mentioned you were reading out the things, and somebody and and it, and I had this really flippant, dismissive response because they were like queering theology. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why? Why do we even waste our time mm-hmm. trying to do that? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, this is why. So like, to the 77 yeah. percent of Black trans right. people who have been at right, you know, a person of faith or identify with some right. faith mm-hmm. community, that mm-hmm. that shit is it's like important. it's important, mm-hmm. right? And so, I don't know, it just, it, I think it just, like, stood out to me because it just reminded me that I have to, like, check myself mm-hmm. on that kind of thing. And so, one of the things that they mentioned um, in terms of, like, also on this point about community. So, in 2011, there was a Pew survey that found that people living in rural communities are, um, of course, most likely to be involved in church and spiritual groups. But the groups that they were most likely to be involved in after those were, like, veterans groups farm associations and groups for like older adults and one of the points that they make is that like these are like a lot of times these are like private associations so like they're not required to follow local state and like federal non-discrimination laws um so like one of the like one of the examples that they gave in the um report was like the the boy scouts and like the rotary international club and so like the boy scouts had like a really terrible like homophobic transphobic like policies a few years ago i remember mm-hmm. that and i think they overturned it and then mm-hmm. like the rotary international um i think it was a few years ago they said in the report were like you know we don't discriminate against like folks based on like sexual orientation mm-hmm. and it's like and i say all this to say that like being a part of like organizations is like important important yeah. and then i think and because and one of the things that they also mentioned in this report that, and I skimmed it before I even saw this, but it made me think about my experience with the worker center. Cause yeah. I'm like, what? Cause one of the things that they mentioned um, in the report is like, they talked about like farm workers and how like mm-hmm. agriculture is so important. And they, you know, they were like, you know, a lot of these immigrants and these, a lot of the agriculture workers in these communities are immigrants. And it's like, I mean, it was like, duh, but like <laughs> also it just like, it just, rem- like, it was so important because one of the things um, that, like, farm workers often talked about and struggle with, and, like, we talked about it when we talked about, like, the fight for driver's license, is, like, the isolation. And I'm just, like, think about how important it is for a, an organization like the Worker Center yeah. to build, like, meaningful community. Yeah. Right, yeah. for, like, for these groups. And it was, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anybody, um, of course, I mean, who would just be, like, hey, oh, by the way, I'm gay. But it's, like, I mean, it's, like, even if, like, the farm workers themselves weren't queers, like, they're also, like, interacting with, like, queer organizers, right. queer volunteers, queer mm-hmm. students. And mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, this is like a long-winded way of of me saying that, like that kind of like agitational work that like or, like organizations that I may not necessarily care about around like building support and solidarity for mm-hmm. LGBT people is like really really important. Yeah, because one of the things that they said in this um 
one of the policy recommendations. It wasn't a policy recommendation, but they talked about like public opinion in rural communities. So of course they're like public opinion around LGBT people is lower than in urban communities, but they said that the support for LGBT people in rural communities um, was like at 63%. And that's mm. that's actually higher than I yeah. thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, me too. And so it's like, I mean, I think about how often, like, one of the things I absolutely detest um, is this kind of, like, you know, liberals are always like, you know, we just need to sit around and dialogue and talk. Oh, I hate it's that like, And I hate that kind <laughs> of shit. But it's like, I think there has to be something like, I think there, I think that the, the way that they want to do it, I think they often do it in a way to, like, try to absolve people of power yeah. from, like, you know, doing the right thing. But I think that in these communities... Whereas I think like trying to change public opinion around LGBT it's people, necessary. it's like actually yeah. like really necessary. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I guess I just don't want to be, I mean, we don't live in some bustling queer oasis, but exactly. it's like, but like, I mean, as you describe these things in rural communities, I'm like, is Syracuse not rural? Cause no. I mean, I think, I think the county that we live in, the county, cause one of the points the that they city. make that like counties are often are mixed. Right, right. Um, but I, mm-hmm. there's definitely. I mean, you st- you go about twenty minutes outside oh, of yeah, Syracuse, and of it, course. it gets rural real quick. Like we got apple farms, and right? <laughs> exactly. Farms. Like, yeah. One of the things that I thought, and again, we mentioned, I mentioned earlier that like ten percent of like uh, young folks, youth in our rural communities. Um, identify as queer. And then, of course, it's not a surprise that one of the things that was really important for, like, young queer people or LGBT people in these communities is the internet. And then you think about, like, the digital divide. I remember there was, like, a a few... it was a while ago. I'll see if I can try to find the video. video. But Darnell Moore did this video around, like, like communities and, like, it was, like, a black community or, um, like, black poor community in Mississippi. They were, like, trying to fight to get broadband because mm. they said that, like, in rural communities, you just don't have that good right. of access to yeah, internet. it's true. And then, but they were, like, like the internet was, like, a really important mm-hmm. place for, like, young people trying to forge and make sense of, like, their mm-hmm. young, um, like, LGBT identities. Yes. And so they referenced um, this effort where we should, I think we should do it. And again, I'm going to post a report in there. Then you can find it through the report. Just like do a find a search function. But they had this thing called Queering the Map. And so what it is, is like this, it's like a digital project where like queer people, you you put where you ping where you are like mm-hmm. on a map. And you just like, like share your See story. Where queer people, oh my gosh, yeah. yes. And I'm just, again, they were just talking about like how like important that is um, for young people, um, like having those mm-hmm. communities online. And then something else I thought was interesting is that they said that like, Young people were in these rural communities were going to um, they were going to these um, like online spaces and then bringing this stuff like back um, with them. So it wasn't like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to this online space to like escape. Right. Right. But it was like like this is which is so much of how it's talked. Exactly. And again, I think that kind of goes back to the earlier point. I mean, as as a young person, you don't necessarily have a choice in where you live. Right. Mm -hmm. Just kind of where you're again. I think that that theme that like people aren't just like stuck and, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like mired in misery yeah, like in rural desperate to get communities. out yeah. right 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 mm-hmm. and there's other ways in which that they find to like incorporate their they're like LGBT identity rural identity mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and just one of the things that they were talking about uh, just that something that stood out to me around like young people was like homelessness and i just feel like really silly cuz like i just don't ever think about homelessness being a problem in like rural it, communities like oh, it, you only think about homelessness Because I, I, I feel like it doesn't, it's probably just not as visible, right? You're just not going to, like, you're not going to walk down the street 
in a rural area and probably like see yeah. a homeless person. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they mentioned was that um, for like um, young people, especially um, young um, people of color, um, young LGBT people of color, is that one of the issues that they said that it wasn't necessarily like you're kicked out of your house because like you're LGBT, mm-hmm. but it was like they said that like that the housing insecurity happened because of a fraying of social relationships like over time, right? So it's like the ripple effect. The ripple, right? Oh so it's like that ripple yeah. effect, and then they also mentioned that it was because of um. Like, like the the homelessness, like, so, like, being LGBT was a factor, but it was also, like, representative for young people of a broader problem of, like, the economic instability of their mm. families. Mm. And so they said that, um, like, in this report, they were talking about um, housing. And there's, like, this really interesting thing that said that, like, in these small, like, small rural towns, like, but they were just saying that, like, people who rent in rural communities, I mean, especially, like, uh, people of color, um, they face, like, um, like the housing options are just, like, so, like, vastly limited. Yeah. And so one of the things that they talked about, like, housing and homelessness are really big issues for, like, um, LGBT people mm-hmm. in, like, rural communities. And I just was, like, like yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I just, it just never... Um, it just never, like, crossed my yeah. mind. Oh, so a lot of this stuff is around, like, the importance... Uh, kind of like this theme of like um, religion and, and like uh, discrimination laws is that like a lot of the providers and like service providers are like religious. Mm-hmm. And so like because they're like, you know, religious or quasi-religious, then they're like, there's like religious exemptions, right? Mm-hmm. As one of the things that, one of the examples that they gave in this report that was like so totally astounding was that in Mississippi in 2016, you know, they have, they, there's, a legis- there's legislation around like religious exemptions, right? About how you can basically refuse people any kind of service because yeah. of your so-called sincerely stated uh, religious beliefs. But they said in this legislation, the the specific carve-outs around religious exemptions were on if you believed uh, marriage was between a man and a woman, and and it was if you believed that the sex that you're born with is your sex, like forever. So specifically and so pointed they, and targeted so, for LGBT yes, folks. Yes, yes. So I I was just like, holy shit. And Come- so, Right. Completely ignoring that, would you say something like 77% of these queer folks identify with faith? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and just like the last thing, the last point that I wanted to, um, that I was, I was happy that they talked about explicitly in this article was around, um, it was like cash bail and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's in the report, in the report where they really, um, they talk about or try to like, make inferences about LGBT people of color throughout the report. But in mm-hmm. this particular section, I think, um, like, this is where they're really explicit talking about, like, LGBT uh, people of color in these rural communities. And it's like, and so they talked about how, like, there's a growing trend of, like, small towns, like, using fines and court fees as a source of revenue, right? And so and how that, like, disproportionately, like, impacts um, like queer people of color, and I remember I got this ticket in this fucking yep, small town right outside yep. of Syracuse called Preble. Mm-hmm. Fuck Preble, and everybody. <laughs> not not maybe not fuck everybody because they didn't give me the ticket. But it was a small, <laughs> and like you, you could only go to court 
traffic court, like on the third Thursday of whatever. Mm -hmm. And like the, the fine, the surcharge for the fine was almost twice than like the actual yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like the small time show. Yep. That's how they're get they're ripping yeah. people off. Yeah. And they said that that basically led to like a poverty trap for mm -hmm. um, like queer people yeah. of color in these um, rural towns. But there was, there was this, a statistic in here where they were talking about young people and they were saying that like, it was like, so of course 10%, 10% of youth identify as LGBT, but they said like in the juvenile system, they said it was like double that, like 20%. And then they said for like black girls and specifically for like girls of color in like juvenile um, detention, they said it was like, it was between like 27 and like 40% yeah. identified as like queer or like gender non-conforming yep. or something. Mm -hmm. So they were saying like, it was mm -hmm. like a specific sort of like yeah. penalizing of, yeah. um, you know, young um, non gender non conforming yes. and queer like girls of color. Yeah. I think that again, there's this assumption that like we're all just like city slickers. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's actually just not the case. It's not true. Yeah. So I encourage you all to um, check out this um, report, and we'll put a link to it. I appreciate you putting me up on this report. Yeah. So thanks, Nikita. We'll put so, a link to this in will. the description box. Yep. All right, so we're going to move on along to our topic segment. Um, and this is just where, you know, we cover something that's on our minds about being Queer Walks. Uh, maybe something that's buzzing in the community. We would love it if y'all submit topics because when we say we scrape the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. We be scraping, yeah. But I didn't scrape this week because I wanted to talk to you about this. And since I never see you unless we're recording, I haven't had the chance to talk to you about this. Okay, I'm listening. All right, so I wanted to talk to you about the word dyke. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the D word? Um, I don't know. Because you, you said you wanted to talk about this. And I was like, I don't actually know how I feel about the term. I think, I mean, I feel like it's like a lot of terms. I feel feel the way I feel about it depends on who was saying is, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so of mm -hmm. course when like lesbians or queer people broadly mm -mm. Um, use the term. If, if, if you're not, not using it in like any kind of like endearing way. Slur. Mm -hmm. If you're not using it in that way then like I'm fine. I, I don't feel that way. I feel like if you're not a lesbian don't say dyke. But, I mean, if you're, like, referring to somebody who refers to themselves as a dyke, then I feel like that's fine. Mm. <laughs> I feel we, we get into N-word territory of, like, but it's in the lyrics. Why can't I say it? Huh. Uh, I think for safety, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like when people who don't explicitly identify as lesbians use the word. Even if I refer to myself I see. as that. Like, right now, my Twitter name is the Dissertating Dyke. Sure. But it's like, I don't know, I feel like I have to think about this. Because, like, we have we have a very dear friend that I would have no problem with him calling me a dyke. Or saying, this is my good dyke. Yeah. Or, like, that, I think <laughs> um, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he doesn't identify as a lesbian. But, sure. Uh, I feel like, why do I feel like that's different? Because of how the term is being... Yeah, because it's, it's not intra-community. Right. But it still feels... Yeah, it's like the way it's being used. I use it to describe myself. He's black. That feels like it makes that, a difference. Yeah. 
So, okay. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of the term dyke. Yeah. Because um, we have a friend, Kim, um, who I've talked about dyke with a lot because she was the only other, like, black woman that I heard use it a lot. So, I've, I talked to her about it. And she was telling me that dyke has... It's it, like has a specific like black history. Mm, that, I didn't and know I that. Didn't, me didn't me the bitch, but you know I looked it up. Um, so <laughs> so there's this article written by Gloria Bates, and in the article, um, they talked about Dyke came. Fr- it was a shortened version of Bull Dyke, oh. which was a common term. In the 1920s in Harlem, mm-hmm. specifically referring to the masculine presenting lesbians in the in Harlem in right. the 1920s, and so for those of you who don't know, they're like, "Well, how was that black?" Well, Harlem was carved out as a space where pretty much black people were forced to live because nobody yeah. else wanted to live there yeah. in the 20s. But what it also created was this incredible cultural cultural center, right? Yeah. And so there's this this a lot of black queer. Um, a lot of black queer radical history in Harlem, mm-hmm. um, especially in the 20s and 30s. Sure. Uh, and so that's where the word dyke comes from. It's just like a short version of bull dyke or bull dagger. Right. Which is one of my favorite. Same, same. <laughs> and, and I think about our friend again. Yes. Um, you were talking about rural queers and I, 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 credit, I credit rural queers for bull dagger. Cause it feels like the rural spin on Bull Dyke. Yeah, you know how it feels words, country. It, it's country, <laughs> and I yeah, I I appreciate that um, word so much. Uh, and it's also a word that I heard when I was younger. Like I heard older people say that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and it's just like hmm. Yeah, and so in this article, also the author was making a distinction between. Um, like, we can't really compare it to, re- recl- like, uh, term reclamation because there's an element of dyke that has to do with uh, not just our sexualities, but our, like, the way we show up. Like, the gender presentation. Uh-huh. It's not it's not just a, a word for lesbians. Okay. Um, because if we think about it in that way, it also loses, its, again, black history. Um, and, but... It, it also erases that this was specifically like a word that came out of a word that was used to describe like masculine presenting lesbians. Yeah. I am not the most masculine presenting I'm person. Say, so how do we make sense of that? Um, I think language is ever evolving and yeah. words take on new connotations. For me, dyke is a very black lesbian word. Mm-hmm. And so for me, th- that's why I like it. I feel like there have been attempts to snatch it away from black lesbian uh, mm-hmm. traditions, but, uh, you know, you you have to keep it alive in order for folks to remember. Sure. I think uh, my idea changed around, like, calling myself that. I don't know. It's like, I remember in college, people used to say things like psychodike to, um, so... So, I don't know if anybody is familiar with that term. Do you Have you ever heard psychedike? No, is it like a fake dyke or something? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Like uh, a quote-unquote straight girl uh-huh. um, who, like, wants to fool around with you. Sure. So, they would call them psychedikes. And I was like, oh, uh, like, dyke is this term then for us. Like, so there's them, and then there's the dykes, which is us. And then Saya came out with that mixtape called Dyke. 
Hmm. Um, and it was an acronym. She used it as an acronym. And I can't remember what it stood for. But it was cute, you know. Yeah. So post-college, it made me think about the word differently. Um, and I think that a lot of times, as far as gender presentation, we get really wrapped up in lesbian gender labels of like, I present this way, so I have to use this terminology to describe myself. Like, I'm a boy, or I'm a stud, or I'm a femme, or I'm mm-hmm. an AG, or um, like I'm an earthy femme. But I think there is there are other ways to be masculine and take up space that don't necessarily have to be um, like stud wear or boy wear. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What like what? Like I feel like I have I have masculine energy. Okay. I I don't shy away from embracing parts of myself that might be read as masculine. Okay. Even though I present sure in this way that might be stereotypically femme. I don't mm-hmm. know why I'm doing this with my shoulders. Just that's my movement for femme. And y'all can't see it, but it's so funny. I don't think it has I think that might have been the I think you're getting at it. That you know, the it was rooted in or maybe meant to specifically describe um, black masculine presenting women, but I don't mm-hmm. think that that is the... I mean, I feel like there's a certain kind of... I mean, I do feel like, for lack of a better word, there's a certain kind of, like, aggressiveness. I feel like I've, like... Yes. ...associated with the term dyke. I feel like a dyke uh, does not fuck around. That's... that's. I think that's... It's, me. like, not <laughs> to be fucked with. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like that, and I think that that could cover, cross the mm-hmm. gamut of, like, gender presentation, but right. just, I feel like there's some... Fems, I'm like, oh, that that dyke will fuck you up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's big dyke energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah, it's like that's what it. Yeah, yes. And what I when when I think about like dyke, I think about unapologetic. That's exact. That's exactly yeah. what I think about. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the connotation mm-hmm. that I have. So it's it's almost as if like back then. What what was being read was like this masculinity because it was in, the outward. It was the outward right presentation. But now, and especially because the way we've thought about gender sure. has shifted since the twenties. Sure. Um. That well, the nineteen twenties because we're coming back. Oh yes, the nineteen twenties is that um that the 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 fucking with what you expect a woman to show up like yeah. is dyke energy. Yeah. It doesn't have to necessarily be a masculine yeah. presentation of gender, but it's like unfuckwittable. Yeah. Like that's that's really the that's what that's the way I understand the term. That's what it that's like the visceral mm-hmm. like reaction I think of. Mm-hmm. I, or I have. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just like dyke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really, I've been thinking about this ever since last year's Afropunk that I want a baseball jersey with Dyke on the back. I think it would be cute. And see, there it is. There it is. It's like, I'm so femme. I'm like, yeah, that would be cute. But also, I will, fuck, yeah. I, will, I will whoop fuck your you mother. Up, yeah. <laughs> fuck you right on up. Right on up. Yeah. And I, and I think we use Dykey. We use that word a yeah. lot. We... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like growing up, I feel like I always actually always heard it used more so as a slur. So I, I kind of mm. like bristled at it. Mm. It's be like, oh, they dyking. Uh-huh. It, it was never like queer women that were saying that. It was always, right. like, it was always some dude saying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just always like boosie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just like people who like hated, hated the fact that they couldn't have access. Yeah, to that sexual exchange, like. 
they fucking dyking. What's that? Oh, God, that nigga Kanye. And then, and then, and um, unless they use a strap on, then they're not dykes. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's it's so this sounds it might sound fucked up to say, but I feel like the broad cultural consensus amongst people who are homophobic and amongst like us lesbians yeah. is like dykes or dykes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's like like oh, there's no like like there's there's lesbians. Then there's dykes. Right. That's the yeah. I feel like I feel like lesbian is like an umbrella. Uh-huh. And like dykes, you know, it's like it's like it's under some kind of like hardcore wing. Yes. So this picture has been my Twitter banner for so long. Like I can't I it's been so fucking long that this has been. But um there was this march in the seventies and there's these um lesbians, black lesbians who have this banner that says dykes against racism everywhere. everywhere. Dare, yeah. Dare, right. Um and so it also makes me think about like that connotation around like the line between lesbians and dykes. It also didn't just come from gender presentation or people thinking that lesbians are a little bit softer or fluid than dykes. It's also dykes were explicitly political yeah. as well. It's unfuckwittable. It's like this this is this is a race issue. This is a political identity. This is not just about like my preference for um sexual companions. Yeah. This is this is a, a much bigger thing it's like, that yeah, we talk about. It's like about. an in your face. Right. Don't get fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I wish that was if you spell niggas with a K, it'd be like, don't you niggas even try it. In parentheses. <laughs> That's what Dyke stands for. Oh! <laughs> K. Yeah, the silent K. Don't you... <laughs> the niggas <laughs> even! <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it just packs punch. It does. It does. Hits you in the teeth. Yeah. Literally, probably. With yeah. a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. I'm a proud Dyke. I feel like it's... Do I... I, ref, I think I refer... I refer to myself and others... As dykes, like in jest. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like when I'm especially trying to be like tongue in cheek and to make it a point. Yeah. I'm like, that dyke. Yeah. You know, to be like, oh, yes, that's like, you do. You're like, that like, person is very clear. Obviously. Yeah. 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 The same way you use negresses, which I wish you would say. I don't, I don't do that. And I don't know why you're even <laughs> bringing that up like that. All right, Nikita, whatever. I don't do that. So, yeah. Tell us what you think about the word dyke. What connotation does it have? Yeah, like what does it spark for you? Um, Throw it in the hashtag, QueerWOC. Let us know. All right, so now we're going to conclude with our last segment, Curved Chronicles. Curved, 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 curved. Curved Chronicles is a segment where we talk about our dating woes and And wins. wins. You just said and wins because you have wins, okay? Oh, no. Um, but also your dating woes and wins. And if you would like to submit a curved chronicle where you got curved or curved someone, um, submit it to queerwalkpod at gmail.com. Or if you just generally want to tell us a cute uh, lesbian yeah. dating story. A um, queer yeah, dating story. That's right. I'm still in lesbian mode because we just talked about dyke. But um, queer, broadly. Uh, I, I just watched this video from Refinery29. Oh my god. Like, I cried. cried. It was so cute. Huh, the fuck? I did not need to cry like that last night. I feel like I keep asking people because we asked Rutina Wesley 
But I really need these black lesbians, these black queer people, to send us invitations to these weddings. I know that wedding is coming. I feel like we should always be on everybody's guest list because what other podcast is going to cover your wedding in such a a loving, in-depth way? And maybe you private. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe you don't even want it covered. I just want the invite. They want it covered. They did a Refinery Twenty Nine video and had us had had lesbian Twitter in shambles. Yeah, or queer women. In shambles. Twitter in shambles. Okay. Do you have a curved chronicle, Nikita? I don't think so. No, no, no. No curves. See? This is what happens when you women in the dating game. You never have anything to report. Again, the hardware stores in my rural (laughs) areas say otherwise. All right. So that's actually (laughs) my curved chronicle I wanted to talk about. So A hardware store? No, fool. Um, It's actually a barbershop, sadly. Um, So I went to the barbershop on Saturday. It was an awful experience. I'm never going to the barbershop again on a Saturday. Um, It's the worst time to go. I almost feel like it's just time to grow my sides out. And, like, I don't need to be getting haircuts anyway. But I also don't want men to fuck up how I want to wear my hair. Yeah. So um, I was in the barbershop. I'm going to try to keep this short because y'all know... When it comes to basketball, I can go into oh rabbit holes. Please, nobody cares about the stats. And okay, the, all right. And the curries so and I'll the keep wings. it. I'll keep it short, right? So, um, so we, we, I was in the barbershop. I was the only woman in there, and they were talking about the final four. This is too deep. No, the final four. Not. Okay, because you looked at me. That's I know sad. you're not a basketball dyke, but um, yeah. So they were talking about the final four. This one dude kept saying he was pulling for Duke, and I was just like. Duke's not in it. <laughs> like, uh, Duke is, you can't pull for a team that's not even in the final four. And so nobody acknowledged when I said that. But there was this one guy who's who's somehow magically and miraculously always in the barbershop whenever I'm there. Uh-huh. Whether I go Wednesday morning or Saturday afternoon, he's always in the barbershop. And he was like, hey, yo, she's right. Like, Duke ain't in it no more. And so the dude who was talking about pulling for Duke, he goes, uh... Oh, like, um, a cute girl who knows her basketball, I might have to wife her. I might have to... And and talking about me as if I'm not sitting there, right? Um, And so my barber, who usually cuts my hair, is like, not that one you want, wife. Not that one. Um, Not that date! Exactly. The the homosexual. Yeah, and he kept saying it in different intonations, like... Not that one who likes right. basketball. Not that one. Not that one. <laughs> and like, so, shut up. Yeah. He you. said it about four times before I think the guy kind of got that I was yeah. gay. And so then the dude turns around. Obviously, he can't just fucking leave it. If men shut up, the, the world would just be a better place. Yeah. But he turns around and um and he said he said something like um. Oh, oh, she like that? And then finally looks at me and like, but that ain't got nothing to do with me. Which... You're like, it literally actually does. Right? <laughs> Which is, is something that I've heard a lot of times from dudes. It's like, they'll be like, hey, um, how you doing? And you like, I'm gay. And um, they like, what that got to do with me? Right? A lot. A lot. It has a lot to do with you, sir. Actually, you're right. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. And I never wanted to have anything yeah. to do with you. Um, but then something, so I'm teaching hip hop feminism this semester and something just clicked in my head about what had been happening with Young and May and Kodak Black. Yeah. Um, and how men just can't take the no. 
Yeah. And it's not just... So, like, I really liked what Z said. I, I talked about this last episode. It's like, I didn't feel a need to go into the Young and May situation because I think Z did a really good job on Marsha's plate. But in that moment, sitting in the barbershop, and this is after a whole bunch of other shit that I won't get into because it's not part of the Curve Chronicle, it also made me think about how it's only through feminist, uh, black feminist, uh, like record keeping that we can connect these things and realize that they're not isolated events and exactly how violent it is when men do that to us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just because we're women. It is specifically because we're lesbians also. It's like, reminds me of the conversation we had about Dyke. It's like somehow yeah. for them, they feel like it's denying them access to something that they feel like they should rightfully have access yeah. to. And for so many lesbians, especially gender nonconforming ones, that has meant death. Yeah. Like, I, I'm in that barbershop, I was so fucking mad. And I just started thinking about Sakia Gunn. Yeah. Who was a high schooler. Yeah. And a dude tried to holler at her. She was like, I'm gay. And he literally hopped out the car and stabbed her yeah. to death. You know? And it's like... Like, all of that is happening when these guys won't take the no. Yeah. Right? And... And I, it also made me think about, we watched this documentary in the hip-hop feminism class I'm teaching. The New Jersey Four, who were described in, in the media as like a, a killer pack of lesbians. I who, remember Who this. attacked a man for um, daring to compliment them. No, he was sexually harassing them yeah. and wouldn't take no when when they told them that he was that they were gay, right? Yeah. And and so I'm sitting there waiting to get my damn haircut. <laughs> I just wanted to come get my haircut and leave. And this dude is like, oh, what that gotta do with me? You know? And it's in it's in those moments where you have to like choose and negotiate safety yeah. that feel like so fucked up. So it, it it can't be like a funny curved chronicle of like, and then I told that nigga because you don't know, right? You don't know what could happen. You know, right. it's like you the only girl sitting in the barber shop. You don't have no backup. Yeah, like and then my barber looks at me and goes, "I bet you won't come on a Saturday again." That was his response. To this dude harassing me. Wow. In front of him. And, and if it's the same barbershop that I that I know that it mm-hmm. probably is, what what like aggravates me is that they they'll they will have signs up in all those places that'll be like, no sagging, yeah, no cussing, no, yeah, you no know, no smoking, no. And I'm like the swear jar. You got a yeah, jar. Yeah, and I'm put- like. This this nigga's being like totally out of control and disrespectful, yeah. but that's not yeah. like that's fine. That's par for the course. Yeah. That's just you know that's mm-hmm. just kicking it and shooting the shit. Right? right. It's like it's like you know maybe I mean it'd be great if you had a sign to be like you know don't be harassing nobody, but it's also like get your this boy, is, get, get him, get your client. Get this him. is your right. This is your spot. Right. 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 And and you know me, you know me by name. Yeah. I come here enough. Um, not that it matters, but it's like, you have, you have daughters who are into basketball. You have daughters who play basketball, who people who don't know them would probably call them a dyke. You know, it's like, and you still don't feel like, like that's worth protecting in your place of business. And you don't, and it's like, it's just not your business. Nobody, and I'm there. Mm -hmm. I can speak for myself. I don't need you to out me. I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to do that. He said it like four times, like... Not that one. You not that one. And I you feel won't like, marry. and I feel like, in that sense, it's like, 
I mean, I don't know if this sounds ridiculous, but I feel like it's also, like, in that moment, like, him repeating it four times is, like, because he could have just been like, nah, play it, leave it alone. Leave it alone. But it's, like, it's also trying to make a spectacle out yeah. of the fact, yeah. you know, that you're a lesbian. Or or that, like, like this is why I know Duke ain't in it. It's like, no, nigga, have you been on Twitter in the last yeah. week? Like, what, how are you pulling for a team that's not in it? And it, it, I don't know. It's like, I want to talk about this in Curve Chronicle and, like, connect these dots. Because it's like, we think about... We think about, like, the Sakia Gun incident, the New Jersey 4, the Young M.A. incident as, like, separate. Yeah. And they're not. Like, they're they're all connected. <laughs> and, like, these um, legacies of, like, lesbians daring to live. Yeah. You know? Um, and it also made me think about how much, like, self, self, like, managing or, like, blaming that happens in those moments. Because, like, I immediately went into... Why did I have to say that Duke ain't it? I could have sh- shut my damn mouth and like yeah. sit here scrolling on my phone. I didn't have to respond to them. But I like basketball. Yeah. And I want to talk about it when like yeah. people are sitting around talking about it. Especially because I don't get to like sure. do it as much yeah. as I used to. Because I'm trying to get this damn degree. So it's it's really fun hearing people like joke on on these guys for yeah. like missing baskets and like laughing. Yeah. I'm like, I used to do this and... Yeah, so I immediately went to myself, right? Like, right. you should have just shut up. Like, you could have sat here and, like, not do it, da-da-da. Or you could have, like, passively, aggressively, yeah. like, tweeted while yeah. they're talking about this. But I shouldn't have to do that in order to just feel okay trying yeah. to get a haircut. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, like, a, you, you would not think, just, like, in, in the course of your daily life, you just, you would not think... Oh, me talking about like basketball is going to lead to some to some like homophobic nonsense. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Homophobic misogynist. Yeah, or, like sexist nonsense. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like yeah, and it's just ridiculous so. because Duke is actually not in it. <laughs> Nikita just found that out, y'all. I'm just like. <laughs> No, I'm just like it's, it's like it was like a real valid. It's it like, was it, it was, was valid. A statement of fact. Right, right. Like, I was this is yeah. not happening. And I and it's like I was even I was even more seething because first of all I go to SU and there's a huge like Duke SU uh, rivalry and of course like this person knew probably knew that that's why he's in a SU barbershop yeah. like I'm pulling for Duke but also my alma mater Auburn was playing and it's the first time in my school's history that we made it to the final four so I'm like um actually yeah fuck Duke because it's war eagle all day every day and twice on Sundays over here but I couldn't even have that fun sure in a spot that I wanted to because how dare I be? Not that uh, one. No. No, no. Shut up. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need. I'm. I'm actually grown. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I got this. I didn't need any of that. You and and if you thought that that was being supportive of me in that moment, it wasn't. What you could have actually done was got your boy. Yeah, just be like, man, leave, leave her alone. alone. Exactly. That's, that's all you had to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, don't don't be starting that. You, yeah. and, I, and I'm like, and it's like we're not. Because, you know, I think, like, men just get so ridiculous when you, like, well, what am I supposed to, yeah. you know, I'm not, you're supposed to quote bell hooks? I'm like, right. no, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know that there's mm-hmm. these things that you can say yeah. and that you can do. There, there was other shit said about Me Too after he made that comment about what that has to do with Me Too. But it's just like, so y'all know. 
Y'all know, right? But you just choose to be ain't shit. Yeah. Like, because in that moment, any, I mean, there's like, what, six dudes sitting in there. Anybody could have said something. But specifically, this guy that I come see at least every other week to get my hair cut could have been like, yo, leave her alone. Leave her alone, yeah. That's it. That's, That's just all, all you gotta do. And it's so much easier than repeating, not that one, in, in different ways. I mean, I'm so, surprised you didn't have, let me pull up a PowerPoint. <laughs> and every slide would be like, not that one. Her, nah. <laughs> Flag on the plate. Not happening. No siree. Yeah. So, you know, the, the struggle continues to find a barbershop where I could just get my hair cut. Yeah. And possibly talk about basketball. Yeah. Without and not have to curve dusty whack niggas. Right. Never. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That, you should get a jersey that says dyke. And they're like, not that one. Not that one. fucking ridiculous. Not that one. <laughs> the next time somebody asks me my sexual orientation on a form or something, I'm going to write, not yeah. that one. <laughs> he was acting like, you're like, not a human. Yeah. Like, not that intergalactic um, extraterrestrial bitch. <laughs> not your type. Not your kind. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just a dyke. Relax. <laughs> Relax, buddy. Yeah. Not that cybernetic cyborg. Like, what? Why is he acting like that? It's just out of control. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not even real. It's a hologram. Plot twist. Just like, stop. I'm just, I'm just a lesbian. I'm just, that's yes, it. That's it. That's it. Like, <laughs> I'm not half fish, half mermaid. <laughs> What's I'm not. That? Yeah. I'm not a centaur. Right. <laughs> I'm not a minotaur. <laughs> Just a lesbian. Yeah. As bad as I want to be, I'm not a Dothraki warrior. I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I am not. I don't possess an infinity stone. Stop this. <laughs> Stop. Come. Come down. What the fuck is wrong with you? I am I'm really glad that I talked about this. I have I told you I've been ruminated about it all week. Um and I'm I'm just glad I talked about it with you because you made me laugh about it. Cause in the moment it was just like you I know I know how fucked up and awful these things yeah. feel in the moment. And you know that, that meme where like all the graphs appear over some that yeah. that lady's face? That's what it felt like of like connecting the dots, right? Yeah. It's like all this shit it, it you know, it breeds and builds off of one another. Yeah. Like that's like the the like me being told not to come to the barbershop again on a Saturday. Yeah. Is the reason why a dude can feel emboldened to like hop out a car and like stab a girl to death for saying right. that she's gay exactly. and don't want his ass. Exactly. This has been Money, the fellowship baddie. And this has been your totally knackered Nikita. <laughs> and you just listened to Queer Walk, the podcast. <laughs>